I just got three things to say. God bless our troops. God bless America. And gentlemen, start your engine! Hey, welcome to Razzle Dazzle, a podcast about video games and pop culture with an emphasis on our favorites. All right, it's Razzle Dazzle time. We're your hosts, Jared and Patrick. What's up? That's our sound guy, Joe. Based on the epic true story. And that's our co-host, Tatum. And today we're joined by perhaps my favorite guest of all time. You might know him from All Access Crew, various modeling gigs and runways, or from being related to me, it's Felipe Pereira. Room, room, I like cars. <laughs> modeling gigs? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so there's two models in the family. Jesus. Oh, yeah, my mom was one, too. Oh, three! three. Wow. wow! Family of gorgeous beings. Oh, uh, yeah. Know, right? <laughs> well, at least they're not full of themselves. <laughs> of course not. I'm the most humble individual on this planet. So, Felipe, thank you so much for joining us on this special episode of Razzle Dazzle. Today we're talking about the game, or one of the best driving simulators out there, Gran Turismo. Before we jump into the game, uh, I want to ask you, like, what does Gran Turismo mean to you? How did you get into it? Are you, like like a gearhead or something. Give us a lowdown. Well, yeah, I would say I'm a very passionate individual when it comes to cars. I could talk about cars for hours. You hop on my YouTube, the recommended is just all cars, Hoonigan, Donut Media, all this stuff. Like working on my own car, but uh, I happen to drive a bus, uh, so it's not the most entertaining thing to drive. Uh, so that's what, like, what the simulator comes in. I have a wheel at the house. I have like the seat, you know, the little setup. Right. And uh, it's a good placeholder for whenever I'm at the point in time where I'm like, let's add another car to the fleet. But I'm not there yet, and so this is uh, holding me down for now. How did you get started in getting into cars? I honestly don't really, I don't have like an exact like moment of like, it was this day, and this happened, <laughs> and then... F- my life was changed forever. I don't really have that. Um, you don't have a photo that your dad took of you next to a car <laughs> that spiraled your career into being a racer? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely not. But um, I would say it was probably just when I was uh, in middle school, right? Like, my dad is telling me, like, hey, don't spend that birthday money on stupid stuff because when you turn 16, you have to buy a car. So I was like, okay. So I was, like, thinking about cars in, like, middle school. I'm like, okay, so which one am I going to get? I'm like, no one's saving for a car, in middle school but I am <laughs> so I'm like looking on the internet and so it, like it was like a slow dive I just started looking at what I could afford and then it just kept going from there seeing what was out there just went consuming and consuming and consuming now you mentioned that you drive a bus which I think is <laughs> not literally not, um, literally not literally not literally but basically but that wasn't always your car. There was a little oh, brief yeah. period oh, where you yeah. got a taste of what it's like. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my first car was a Mazda RX-8 that I bought for like six grand. I love that thing. You say rotary and most people scream running the other way, but I loved it. It's a very unique engine, uh, very different uh, character traits from anything else 
on the market. Uh, and everyone c cries and complains that they're unreliable and oh my God, Apex seals. It's like, but you know, I already knew how to combat this. I had a like a quart of oil in the trunk at all times and that's how you beat it. So I enjoyed it. I would toast through tires. I would go to like this uh, Guatemalan tire shop in the middle of nowhere. I'd pay like 40 bucks per tire Whoa. used. Yeah, and just toast through them and like every month or two, put like a new set. Always like mismatched, like not the same brand, just whatever. Cause I was gonna toast through them anyway. That's really interesting. That's a great deal. Yeah, right? Yeah. Do you have a dream oh, car? Yeah. I would say I have a dream car per price category. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know somebody's really a gearhead. <laughs> yeah, so I'd say on the lower levels, I would like to import an RX-7 from Japan and put in a three-rotor. It comes with a two-rotor turbo, but you can buy uh, a built three-rotor, and I would do that. And that would be like the uh, sub-80K dream car, I would say upwards, like above 80K. Achievable dream car would be the Audi R8. It's like a stripped-down Lamborghini. I, I don't care for the flashy stuff. I just want my V10 engine, right? But if I could have any V10 car, it would be the Lexus LFA. Those things are like cool. half a million now. So really a dream. Have you ever watched the uh, 90s anime Initial D? I watched part of it. I stopped. Uh, it's been kind of hard to find anime lately, but I have heard that, uh, I don't know his name, uh, but the Asian guy from Fast and Furious, he's directing an Initial D movie. So really? I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, moving on, how did you get into Gran Turismo? I went over to a friend's house and he had it and uh, like I was, I had need for speed and everything. I remember I had like underground and underground two, you know, boom, 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 right? That song lives in my head. <laughs> <laughs> that song lives in my head. So then he showed me this, which is like the other side of it's less arcadey. Uh, racing game yeah a bit more serious racing game and i loved it ended up getting it for my console and dove off the deep end got a wheel got pedals got a shifter got a chair let me just say for the time where like he was playing so i was used to playing these arcade type racing games with felipe uh and it was really fun because like it's just no thought you hop in the cars you race and it's just whoever's better at hitting the buttons then when Gran Turismo started being introduced, little kid me was like, all right, let's race. And these two would be like, no, nah, no, nah, hold on. Going through like menus, choosing their tires, <laughs> talking about the track, uh, figuring out like, like the, the car they want based off the track. And I'm just sitting there just like holding my controller. <laughs> so impatient. Yeah, yeah. So what do you like about Gran Turismo? What really hooked you in? Well, because like I said earlier, right, I'm driving this big bus. I don't get that uh, fulfillment through adrenaline for my hobby right now. And if I hook that wheel up to like Need for Speed, it feels like I'm in an arcade game, right? <laughs> like I put in a quarter in the machine and I'm bumping on walls and I'm still going, no problem, right? So it didn't really like, it's cool, uh, but it didn't really fulfill that. But this is like a little bit, you know, closer to real life. In Gran Turismo, every car that's in the game 
they get in person, plug in like thousands of computers into that thing, like sensors, not computers, but sensors and whatnot to measure different things. So every car drives like that car mm -hmm. to the best that our current technology is able to do. So it's pretty cool. There's really nothing like that. Like I can't go to like a dealership and be like, hey, I want to go drive your, your Mustang around for an hour. Then I go to the Chevy dealership. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I want to drive your Corvette around for an hour. Like I can't really like do that. But in the game, I can get a feel for everything. Right. You love the realism. You love the attention to detail that um, oh, yeah. this game has put into the, their cars. Oh, yeah. And uh, my friend, he brought his VR. Right. So now it's like it's even crazier. I remember I was playing uh, Gran Turismo Nurburgring, which to give you an idea of how scary it is, it's called the Green Hell for a reason. So played that at night in like a hypercar in VR. I got off that chair and my heart was pounding like I went through like a traumatic experience in real life. It was crazy. <laughs> I love that. Patrick, you can go ahead and take the wheel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't even realize. <laughs> yeah, so I wanted to talk a bit about uh, the game, first of all, when it comes to the experience racing simulating gives you. So you talked about it a little bit with this Nurberg ring experience but to go a little further what what is it specifically not just to you but just in general about racing sims that makes them so appealing to people in that sense i know my answer like i remember hopping on that seat and understanding immediately why everybody loves racing just the intensity of like how the skill level that you need to not just be crashing everywhere but the reward you get <laughs> when you feel that speed the challenge of overtakes so give me like an in general and then also your personal of like why are racing sims so fun well i think that even if someone has a sporty fun car in their driveway i would say 99 percent of people aren't taking that car to a track and like going balls to the walls foot to the floor like you know they're going to work and you know they're gonna hit it on the highway a little bit and especially here in florida there's no curvy roads i rented a bmw and i went i drove like hour and 20 minutes just to experience some curvy roads right so most people don't have access to that and now you have a machine in your living room that can provide that experience for you i think that's probably the biggest appeal and you would say that's the same for you too yeah i'd say it's the same for me especially because i don't have that fun car that like i for, like i said I had, I had to rent a car and then go all the way out there but i have friends that like they got bikes they got their own cars and they like on a random weekend they'll be like hey we're gonna hit mount dora is the place it's called okay and also in this game you talked about the the sensors all used to scan different cars there's a lot of cars yeah how is that also part of the experience for you to be yeah, able to I drive mean, all the cars yeah especially because like i'm not a big hyper car like ooh, like mclaren pagani and like that world doesn't really get me hooked like that i guess it's it seems like something a bit more foreign i'm more of like a tuner guy like i like the like the jdm japanese cars i like american muscle cars i like you know your european grand touring cars and then i like to make it my own and i could play with that in gran turismo i can obtain all these cars i'm like ooh 
cool s2000 oh dope rx7 oh this oh that and i like customize it make it my own and contrary to for example need for speed where all the cars would kind of feel the same now i'm like feeling the differences and then i'm feeling like oh i put these different i upgraded this and i changed this and now it feels like this and it's cool to experience that without dumping thousands of dollars into a hunk of metal in your garage yeah so i remember a specific example of that where we were playing and you uh everybody's trying out like faster cars easier to handle cars and then it gets the your turn on the wheel and you pick this like massive car to changed it to where it was like the driftiest most out of control <laughs> thing and spent probably like 20 minutes on one track just spinning out on every curve while you tried to figure out how to drift this thing <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, it, is there any more of those that you've done where it's kind of just like let me be really goofy with a car that i would not definitely not be willing to spend that much money doing in real life oh yeah like i've dumped money into like like a beetle like the old vw beetle and the vw bus and yeah just stupid stuff like that you're telling me you have a what was it kirby herbie <laughs> Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, but uh, definitely hard to drive the bus, especially. But yeah, I mean, it got to the point where I started buying so many cars and playing so much where I'm like, damn, money's tight right now. I can't like, I can't just buy this whatever car. And, <laughs> and, and cause like, I'm like, I really want this, this one. So I'm not going to play around like that with that one. But I still do. Absolutely. Because it's, it's fun to experience that type of thing. Now, this is more of a personal question you get that f1 car yet no i have not i have all my friends are like just get it bro just get it i'm like ah. then i can't get anything else <laughs> so for the rest of you on the call uh this game has like a eventually you like you play long enough and you get like a little loot box drop of a car and we uh, i remember he, we unlocked one while we were all playing the cars start spinning around in a circle the f1 car pops up in that rotation everybody's out of their seats staring at the screen it's, it's like <laughs> it, i i understood gambling immediately at that moment. <laughs> yeah. I could get addicted oh, yeah. to this. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's All right. Do you have anything else you want to say about the game, Felipe? I mean, I don't know. I did a bit of research or touched up on some stuff. Cause I don't know how much you guys know about the game, right? I don't know if that's a part of this podcast where you yes. dive into like the Yeah, nerd out, bro. Game. Okay, cool. <laughs> I have a question for y'all. Okay, so this game, like the guy started the development for this game back in like the 90s when you know it was just like arcade games like we're transitioning out of arcade games and into console game at least with racing games so in the 90s him and his team like coding this game you know creating this game guess how many times he went home during the creation of this game he didn't he slept uh underneath his desk and he, and his name is kazunori yamauchi yeah look at that <laughs> yeah so he probably has a wikipedia article right <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually knew that i was pulling up the article or after i answered with a game like that you have to put hours and hours and hours yeah. into the little details that mm -hmm. you wanted to to make a realistic driving sim because there's so oh, yeah. many aspects of a car that most just normal game developers just wouldn't like look past. You know, does it go forward? Does it break? You're good. People would also be so yeah. critical of it. If you're marketing it as that, they'd be like, well, is that really realistic? So I feel like you kind of <laughs> yeah. have to be meticulous. No, that was like, that was a big thing uh, when he was starting the game. Because it was the first game like that. Like that was 
a serious racing game for like the people that were going to sell his game were like you know we don't really think that'll sell can you Sony, make yeah. it more like can you make it more like mario kart right right so <laughs> there was there was actually a game that he made where aesthetically it looks like a mario kart kind of game but like under it he's like playing with the code and like the physics of the game to like get the f future physics for the next game down so it was kind of like a mask right yeah it was game. it was two games before gran turismo it was like cartoon motor something or other yeah. but then i mean you know those guys ended up being way wrong and <laughs> this guy was like the only one with this vision until microsoft was like okay we gotta hop on this boat and uh started uh Forza. Yeah. And now we have a bunch of different ones. It's a lot of like indie developed ones as well. Assetto, Assetto Corza, oh, yeah. iRacing. iRacing um, is crazy, dude. The Assetto Corza too. The, uh, what do you call it? The, this has like a Japanese name, but you're just literally driving down a highway with a bunch of cars. <laughs> yeah. iRacing, you have to pay a membership. You have to get licensed for each like race that you go, like series of racing. You have to get like license for it. You have like a safety rating where like if you like crash or have too many incidences, you'll lose your license for that race. And like, it's a game? Yeah, it's a game. Whoa. Like you can't like you can't hop in a lobby and be like, oh, I'm gonna play this track today with everybody. Like not. Nah. Like events are scheduled. Like they're like, okay, we're gonna have a tournament this weekend, this day, and like qualify for it and everything. It's crazy. I racing is like another level on top of Gran Turismo and, for and Forza. Uh, do you prefer like an experience like I racing, or would you ever try an experience like I racing? I think that there's a time for both. You know, like I still have Need for Speed games. I still play them, right? Because there's a time where you want to mindlessly drive through a canyon and you don't want to like have this big like it's you know less of a more effortless more just for fun yeah it's, it's for I, that don't have to, state. I, don't, I don't have to hop in the cockpit of this like thing in my living room every time i want to play need for speed and there's then, also like you can't have 50 cops tailing behind you in yeah, uh, gran turismo exactly like you can't need for speed exactly and it's like you know, I know how to drift and I know how to do this type of stuff, but I could pull off some slightly cooler ones in Need for Speed. <laughs> so, no. yeah. yeah, it's all oh, about no. that flow state. Um, I just got into this one racing game like uh, a few months ago. It's called uh, Slipstream. It's like very 80s, like vaporwave. Like, you know, it's, it's like a it's retro synth kind of. Ooh. And like the main thing is like, you know, you're drifting through corners and stuff like that. The music uh, is phenomenal. It's like it's very lo-fi vaporwave, you know. Like Tron, kind of? No, not Tron, um, but it's it's a beautiful game. Uh, Patrick, I think I sent you a link to talk to you about it. It's an, it's amazing, and that's all about just, just drive. Like, yeah, there's a competitive part of the game, but the, the main thing is just zoning out, just vibing out exactly. and drive That's you know cool. yeah like exactly. like 90s anime is like you're just driving through the sun like while sunset you're just driving by the beach you know what i mean it's like that that into yeah, a video like, game because this game is like styled not like an arcade game but not like the yeah. arcade games you're picturing like now but more like it's styled like an arcade game from like the 70s or yes. 80s but it's got like a 
modern level of like game engine so that you're not dealing with all the clunkiness yeah. that a racing game from the 70s and 80s might have yeah and there's yeah. this cool like rewind feature of like you can rewind five seconds in case you crash or whatever and that like fills up that like recharges over time yeah yeah i remember forza did that and uh see so that's the difference between the two games right so you have a game that's trying to mimic reality and then they put like a rewind button and they're like hey what are you doing that's not, that's not realistic that's cheating i can't time travel in real life now there's uh in gran turismo specifically when it comes to that you have like the the resetting option you spin off course you just like run into a wall and then it'll put you right back on the track at like zero speed how do you feel about resetting in gran turismo well it's different when you're like solo playing and when you're playing online right like if you're solo playing and you spin out it just shoots you in as soon as possible whatever but like online it's a little different you have consequences for when you spin out you lose time uh it waits like you're gonna be put way in the back because it's not gonna like put you in the middle of the crowd you know and just be like good luck start you at speed like uh, it's gonna put you at a safe place right so you're gonna be way back there so there's a consequence to just driving like an idiot gotcha and then i want to use that to kind of transition us into something more of us can dive in on resetting is a sort of core plot point of the recent gran turismo movie so before we get everyone's thoughts on all of that i wanted to talk specifically about that as a sort of like real life racing versus sim racing sort of concept there is no danger in sim racing like there is in real racing and that drastically changes like the relationship between the two right oh yeah Uh, Mm. you personally playing the game how often are you just doing decisions that you would never make in real life oh all the time dude um like like i told you i was in vr driving nurburgring at night in like this like Le Mans car. I'm telling you, like the Le Mans car, if y'all seen the movie, like it's those crazy looking Looks like, like spaceships. Cars. Like, yeah, yeah. And they are, depending on the track, and I think most tracks, they are faster than an F1 car. I would be pissing my pants going through the Nürburgring at night, not being able to see anything, just foot to the floor. Absolutely. I value my life a little bit more than that. So, nah, I mean, and I'd be busting it like drifts that, uh, you know, in cars that, uh, you know, if I crash, you know, it's like, oh, uh, I got to file for bankruptcy real quick. Like, you know, I wouldn't do that in real life. So yeah, absolutely. And to your point too, uh, during COVID, a lot of racing, like even F1 held a virtual race, you know, during lockdown and everything, because, you know, they capitalize to keep on that it. revenue. Yeah, they want to keep that revenue going. So they held an online race and the drivers experienced the same thing. That lack of consequence made it so that they were do- making stupider decisions and, you know, making more careless uh, crashes and everything. I remember that. I remember yeah, it was so. like a pretty long live stream, and I remember going, oh wow, that seems interesting, let me tune in. The second I tune in, I see like three cars flipping, and I'm like, yeah. wow, thank god it this was- is virtual. <laughs> I'm so excited to watch the rest of this. And it was just it was just gamers making boneheaded decisions, and the announcers like announcing it as if it was real life. So, really? yeah. No, that's the thing. That's the thing. You said gamers. These were real, like, it's Max Verstappen. Leclerc, right. 
It's uh, Lando Norris. That's like, why they were so the bad. Actual, it's the actual guys. Like that's why they that were so drive, bad at it. Yeah, no, happening. I mean, NASCAR, say, happening NASCAR too. Right. But I don't, yeah. You say that they were bad at it. At the same time, I'm pretty sure Max <laughs> Verstappen literally sims like every day now. Yeah, no, he does. He's and there's like a here's a little thing about Max Verstappen when he plays. Like a lot of people, they play and they like all the volume is like reminiscent to real life but when max verstappen goes on a, a simulator he turns like engine noise all the way down well not all the way down but very low and he listens to the tires so that way when he's out there in real life he he has a better sense of because when your tires are on the edge of grip they start making a bit of noise and so like when you're able to learn what that line is you're able to drive more on the line do you that, think that's, that's super cool. cool do you think these professional racers are taking sims and simulations more seriously because of jan martinborough and his success I think so absolutely because that was a major part in the movie that was like this is a, this is a game this is a game it's not real life you're not a real oh. racer oh yeah now now every racer at every team practices with sim racing all of them have a rig that they practice on it does give you like a level of overtake experience that is not comparable at all with like real racing because you don't want to destroy all your practice cars yeah i mean ideally when you're in when you're like in the sim racing and stuff like when we play and we're playing against like computers and whatnot it's a little different than when it's a another person in another living room and with their own wheel because with the computer even though Gran Turismo like introduced a, it's like a emotion physics or whatever where like if you pass a computer and cut it off it'll like retaliate a little bit and drive a little bit more aggressive even with that it still doesn't mimic the unpredictability of another person so I don't know how they how they deal with that when they practice but I'm sure they have enough experience in the real world too where that's not too big of an issue they also have tons of cash to totally just bring in a few guys to also play with their practice. <laughs> At oh, yeah. least one. Oh, like, yeah. Just pay a guy to drive in front of him. Oh yeah, for sure, dude. All these people got so much money, man. Yeah, that's what I kind of think is a little off-putting for some like people when it comes to motorsports because the barrier to entry with motorsports is probably higher than any other sport. You can be great at football or basketball and not have that much money. But if, if you want to get in the door with racing, you either have to be really lucky uh, to like earn that chance like Jan did or have the money or be a legacy driver. So yeah, you either got to be the kid of some famous racer or your parents have to have a lot of money and your dad has to be your best friend. Cause all these guys be like carding from the age of six, seven, like kids, like that's your whole life. Yeah, the movie gets a lot into, or not a lot into that, but it's a subtle motif throughout the entire movie of like the class difference whereas like our two favorite characters of jack and yawn are coming at this from they don't want us here we're we're outcasts because we fought our way into this field and there's a lot of like all the bad guys in the movies have all these like golden cars <laughs> and stuff like that to really like set them as like the we're the rich guys and we don't like you yeah. Is I there mean, anything you took away from the movie, Felipe? It was a movie about a world that I already looked into a lot, right? Because every kid dreams, right? So, you, I, like, you asked me what my dream job was when I was younger? 
freaking race car driver are you kidding me and then quickly quickly that became a thing of mentality in the rear view like i i impossible and then i was like damn i wish my dad dumped all of his time and money into me karting at the age of six and seven but then i was like uh, i don't know even then I, yeah, I don't know about that. Because you had this dream and you watched this movie, do you think this movie will inspire other like kids or younger people to want to pursue auto racing as a career? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you need somebody up there to like, for example, in the movie Nissan, like the guy went to Nissan and went and then like uh, Sony and Nissan had the partnership of like the Grand Tour Academy, right? So you need manufacturers to also be down with it. And I think as you, you know, this world is becoming more and more popular, more and more noticed, you know, all these drivers are on sim rigs practicing right now anyway. I do think that that's gonna be more of an option, especially, I don't know if there's gonna be many people coming out of Gran Turismo, but places like iRacing, where I was talking about like, it's essentially real racing on a computer screen, like, the events are scheduled. You have to qualify. You have like you have, you're licensed for the event and everything. Like there's 12 guys who play as your pit crew. <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would be awful. You matchmaking <laughs> and like one out of 13 guys gets to be the racer, and the other 12 are on standby. I'm on the Just left tire. There for like Tatum's on the right. Guess what? Jared back left tire. <laughs> I'm just in my living room, just like holding a like a drill, like a headset on, like just waiting. I th yeah, I think it's gonna become. I think we'll start seeing more people come through that route. But right now, you know, they got they got the hold on it, right? They climb the ladder, right? So you start in karting, then you start in like some other smaller series, then you go to F3, then you go to F2, then you go to F1. So I don't think it's gonna be like the movie where you're gonna see a guy come from these like virtual racing sims no. and go straight to F1. That's, I don't uh, think yeah, you're that's gonna, insane. I don't, I don't think you're gonna see that, but you might see, you know, a guy coming from sim going to F3 and competing there like you know or even becoming part of the pit crew I, I know we just memed on it a little bit but that's an important part and it's a good job yeah. if you know oh. the parts and stuff it's a very important part that probably pays decent you know yeah you get you get paid decent you get to travel the world it's a pretty cool job um going back to the movie uh i also we've been talking about how like it could be an inspiration and how it has these motifs and all that but I, I do also want to spend a little bit of time dunking on this movie because it is so dramatic. <laughs> oh, it yeah. is exaggeratingly yeah. dramatic, dude. And, oh, yeah. and the whole tagline based on a true story, how much they marketed this movie as being based on a true story. It's even in the title. If you watch it at home, you hit pause. It says Gran Turismo based on the true story. If you, mm -hmm. got, you went to the movie theater, you saw Gran Turismo based on a true story. And um, I don't know if we want to get into that right now, but that's it's kind of a true story. It's only kind yeah. of a true story. Go for it. Go for it. So, OK, Jack Martin, uh, John Jan Martinborough was a real person who did everything that is depicted in this movie. Um, but the most dramatic like shift in reality versus this movie is the timeline. You see, you don't really see in the movie that this takes place over almost a decade. 
Yep. GT Academy started in 2008 and ended in 2016. And he got his contract to drive in 2011. And then he finishes his Le Mans race in 2013. Hmm. In this movie, it's sort of played off as like a matter of years. Or years or even months. A couple of years. But, but it, it's many, many years. And oh, yeah. actually that fatal crash that happened at Nuremberg happened in 2015, which was after the Dubai race when he when he finished at third, or the Le Mans race. So the fatal crash in the movie happens before, and then you see him go on to Nuremberg. No, Le Mans. Le Mans, yeah. But that and is the opposite of what happened in real life. He won that, Le Mans, and then the crash happened at Nuremberg. And also, right, in the movie, does he get first place at Le Mans? He finishes no, third. No, he gets podium. He gets third. But okay. they act okay. like he, he I, I can understand why you're confused, because they act like he won. Yeah. Well, you see him it's drinking like a, champagne and everything. It's like a Rocky thing. Rocky didn't win. That's right. You know, but like everybody still cheered uh, cheered him off for going up against Apollo mm-hmm. just just for I doing mean, it. I mean, it's not even that. Podium is its own separate, like, oh, it's an achievement. Regardless of, mm-hmm. It's an achievement for sure. Yeah, no, I was just confused a little bit because it's like what you said. In my mind, like, I watched the movie and in my head, like, that's like, I remember it's like, oh, yeah, he won. But then I like look back and I'm like, he didn't get first. <laughs> like, no, they act like he so, did, but he didn't. Yeah, so I had to like, yeah, I mean, still from that, like coming from a background like that, get getting podium in a one of the like most difficult races of all time, like still very impressive. But uh, yeah, and like what you were saying, the amount of time like this whole thing was taking place in the movie felt like a few years in real life was many, many more years. And, I mean, you have to like, even though these guys have the technical knowledge of racing, it's completely different when you're in a car where you're experiencing like six, seven G's and also having to like think and have good reaction time and everything. So like the development of all that is it's not like a quick thing. Other funny differences is that Orlando Bloom's character, Danny Moore and David Harbour's character, Jack Salter, don't exist in real life. Huh. They're based on Hmm. people. They're based on real people like Danny Moore is based on Nissan exec Darren Cox and uh, uh, Jack Salter is based on Johnny Herbert but they changed the name specifically so they could get away with more like story beats Mm -hmm. like like his Salter's backstory of he was an accident that killed somebody and all that without actually having to call back to a real accident that didn't happen in Herbert's career And uh, I thought it's pretty funny that Johnny Herbert is British in real life, but they made Jock Salter American just mm-hmm. so this movie can do good in America. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, what's the opposite of British? Iowan. Let's bring in this. Let's make him be an Iowan. Perfect. <laughs> Hell yeah, brother. So I think it did. I think it actually did benefit. Wait, from I was that. not in the South. Oh, I, no, I'm, I don't know. America, baby. Let's go. <laughs> just throw out a Southern accent there. Yeah. I, was, I just had to make sure. We don't know geography here. What are you talking about? <laughs> Very true. I want to point out that John was using a PS5, whereas, you know, this happened decades, a decade ago <laughs> when the PS3 Sony, was out. Sony got to sell that PS5. They okay? sure do. Like, they sure do. <laughs> it's also pretty cool that Jan Martinborough, he was his own stunt double for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. crazy. Oh, the awesome. actor's name was Archie Madwicky, who you may know him from Midsommar. Yeah. He's Simon. Oh, 
Yeah. I did not know that until you pointed it out. Play the little side <laughs> boyfriend person. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I don't like about the Gran Turismo movie is that the dialogue within the first half of the film is yes. extreme. First of all, it's extremely basic for like a based on a true story or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And they really try to like <laughs> try to sell like like the the reset button bit patrick they really try to push that stuff and really try to be like this is not a game man this is real life like i get it all right and then like the second half of the movie is just like oh, okay yeah no we're doing a racing thing okay cool i don't know it, it was just weird it's just like not great i mean writing. throughout the entire movie <laughs> they will not shut up about how this isn't a game yeah like at some point you have to realize that the audience gets it and maybe not do it as much but it is a constant throughout to with that it's like that's one of the things that they use to constantly show that like it's a yawn against everybody but it's also like uh, me and felipe talked a lot about this afterwards it's like the movie portrays it as like it's everybody against Jan it's everybody against Jan until he wins Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then everybody loves him Mm -hmm. everybody's like we always believed in you we have your back you know his dad all of a sudden is like I believed in oh my god like it just took him to win Le Mans for his dad to be like oh my god I love you sir well to be fair he did outright say I did not support you enough I'm sorry well that didn't happen in real life right in real life Steve Marlboro his dad still doesn't support him no his dad was much more supportive in real life damn I think he watched the movie and was like man I I wasn't that much of a dick was I well then they were like no 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 yeah for real dude his whole family's like damn (laughs) <laughs> you did that and Steve's like no 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 I swear I was supportive I don't know who that got, guy like, is cousins and uncles calling him <laughs> it's like, no, I find it funny too where he was like he's like racing that's not a real career you gotta play professional soccer it's like what yeah they kind of gloss too, over that's not too far off man like, they kind of <laughs> gloss over the fact that his family is pretty famous they were football players and they just don't bring it up they kind of they already had money and a good status but they sort of brush it under the rug for this rags to riches story and be like oh he had to sell underwear for one whole month whoa whoa Whoa! no way his dad is working at these like train yards and like uh jared you brought up the dialogue and how it was really basic one of my favorite lines from towards the beginning of the film was Jack saying, they were talking about his past, and he goes, that's in the rear view. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I I cackled, was, I chortled, I giggled, I laughed. It was so funny. There I was, was like, so much dude, of that sprinkled throughout the movie. Yes, it was so funny. Just like car puns and video game puns and stuff like that. But oh. they said it so seriously. Yeah. And I was like, I know damn well. The actor looked at these lines and was like, oh, my God. You're like, I can't believe I got to say this today. Like, that's so funny to me. I loved it. I thought it was kind of camp. Same with uh, that rich guy in the gold car going, go play with your joystick. Oh, yeah. Dude, the rich guy in the gold car, bro. He was so I could funny. not get enough of that guy. <laughs> Dude, yeah, who, no, uh, Patrick was asking me, like, because, like, that guy in the movie was making full-on illegal moves, like, at, like mm-hmm. the first one, the first one, I was like, okay, he could have gotten away with that in real life. Okay, that makes sense. But then some of the other ones, I'm like, dude, you would have like, like that last one where he just like full on like went around and gassed it and hit another car and flipped over. You would have lost your license, dude. Like what? Is, like that's crazy. And like my brother was like, you could get away with that. And I'm like, <laughs> not, dude. <laughs> like absolutely not. <laughs> no. 
So the movie wasn't even that accurate to like racing, real life racing then. Um, yeah, that's they, a question. Yeah, it, that's not a statement. That's a question. Yeah, I mean, it, it. When it comes to like certain things, yeah. When it comes to other things, yeah, like it's accurate <laughs> in some ways. It's inaccurate in others. Mm. They would you know, sacrifice a lot of in, the integrity of racing for the sake of the plot. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, like for like they like the rich guy in the like gold Lambo. I promise you, a lot of the moves he made weren't like that in real life right. you know but you know to add drama to it you know gotta sprinkle in a bit of chaos so right. you gotta have an antagonist always yeah i also think like oh. it's it's that and it's like all of the all of the racing moments where it's like you're you're watching him in like last and yeah. then the pacing just skips and like he's past three yeah. cars and he's in second like the, yeah, the, the whole race thing, to the side if he's if he's gonna be the main racer uh, starting in last passing everybody getting first that doesn't really make dude you have like either everyone else was garbage <laughs> or this guy was uh, racing jesus okay Oops. like that that's crazy like in one lap or what was it like three laps past like, like uh five cars like that's crazy but the whole thing like when he was talking about like oh everyone's riding this line right because you you can google the racing line of a track and the drivers that succeed in real life are the ones that go off that line and f like go based on the feeling like mm -hmm. you're like oh i could i could carry a bit more speed if i go a little bit wider and cut in here and you know that that's very real but you know him just they're all in gtrs and they're like on a straight they're all of them like foot to the floor and somehow he's like you know passing chilling <laughs> like not very realistic there i feel like they went really fast um for the freak accident moment where the spectator died it was it seemed like from the time when it happened to the point where jack's like you got to get back out there. It felt like two days had passed. And I was like, damn, give yeah. him some time. Like, Jack was like, you got to get back in the car at some point. Most we can't grieve forever. I was like, oh, my God. Get over it, kid. Most people would give up, but I have a feeling you're not most people. Literally, it just, it was so quick. I was like, oh, my God. Like, give him some time. But I'm assuming in real life, I mean, A, that didn't happen. But B, also, like, it wouldn't be, like, the next day, like, well, up and at him, sport. After yeah, the accident no. that took that spectator's <laughs> life, which did happen, Jan mm. stopped racing internationally. And now, from 2016 to today, he races only in Japan. Which makes sense. Yeah. Like, that's fair. But it's a much better story if you have him do Le Mans after the incident. After. So it's, it's a comeback wild. story. They gave no, like no like recognition at all to the, like the actual person that died they're just like they a spectator no. that's really wild to me especially since that part is true like mm -hmm. a spectator actually died and they're like well yeah, like, blurry face. In, like credits like you know be like uh, rest in peace to so and so from mm -hmm. this family whatever like nothing wild no, they're just a plot point guys <laughs> that, that person exists only to give the guy a, a trauma to affect his last race. It's, that's ah. it. That's the only reason he exists. Classic hero's journey, just bringing, knocking the character down when they were already high up. That's probably my biggest uh, complaint with this movie. My biggest grape is that you know it kind of it glosses over that. Uh, but we've also talked about a little bit previously that 
history movies aren't great at telling history. They're better at being movies. <laughs> I'm not yeah. offended if a history movie gets things inaccurate. I'm offended if yeah. a history movie is bad, mm. right? And I think this movie was good, and I'll remember it as good. But the inaccuracies are there. So if yeah. you keep, if you market a movie as heavily as they did with this whole based on a true story event, I would expect more of a true story. I don't know if that's like a, a opinion you guys share. I think most movies now like overuse based on a true story. I feel like every based on a true story movie I watch has wild inaccuracies. Yeah, like, I, I don't think it's ever really been a good like. Based on a true story is just telling you that, like, there's an actual story here, but we're not going to use that. Because I, I feel like the historical movies that are accurate to the history never use based on a true story. It's yeah. only the movies, at least from my experience, that use that title are the ones that are inaccurate. Yeah, because they have to say it isn't a true story, but it's based on a true story, you know? So, hey, yeah. I'll hold us accountable, please. <laughs> yeah. As much Duncan as we're doing on this uh, movie in terms of, like, the pacing and accuracies, that's so silly dramatic. I do also want to give it one praise that Felipe can attest to how much I was just creaming over how good it was. The uh. editing for the races. Oh, oh yeah. my yeah. gosh, dude. That was so fun. Yeah, Every single cool. time a race would happen and they would have these like flash moments and then it would go all the cr all the crashes or things like that. I remember one of the crashes, it, it showed like a POV of the car like going straight towards is either the car in front or a wall or something like that. But it was like a quarter second shot, like a, a quick insert of like the car about to crash and then it cuts away to like a wider shot. So you don't see that. I, I looked at Felipe, I was like, I am so glad they did not, they cut away. I am so glad that shot was fast. Because, dude, I, I saw that, like, crash about to happen, and all of the, like, monkey brain in me was like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Right. <laughs> you and thought it this was is you? Like a, this is a test. If you guys are, if you are a real car person, in those, like, race scenes where it's, like, cuts of the car, like, induction noises exhaust noises like you know the car is screaming like showing like the red line on the gauge if that gives you like this serotonin like all of a sudden you start smiling for no reason that's a sign okay <laughs> come come to the dark side <laughs> <laughs> to film those they strapped cameras all over the cars there was like five high quality cameras attached to Jan's main car for the most of the movie and I think they got that aspect of what it looks like to race pretty, pretty accurately. I don't know if you as an actual expert would, would agree, but I think they took their time and it shows. I think the uncomfort you can vis visibly see like during like the first few uh, driving academy clips where like you see him like he like hits the gas and then like he like you could see like that he's visually uncomfortable feeling all those G's and forces acting on his body that he's not accustomed to when he's sitting at home in his rig. And so that's definitely accurate. Like, and I, I'm glad they included that. Like, he just didn't hop in the car. And I was like, let's go. Ugh. Oh, it's hard, right? It's different. But like, <laughs> like you can visually see, like, in his eyes, the way, like, like, I don't know what it is. 
like the emotion giving off on like like the cabin shot like when he's accelerating when he's going through a turn like he's like distraught a little bit like whoa this is a lot right now yeah i also think there's a lot of that like real sense of that when it comes to uh, or not real, but evoking the same feeling when it comes to the editing that I was praising. Uh, every single time in these racing scenes, I talked about like the crashes and how they really made you like panic as if it were you were involved in that crash. But there was also like uh, plenty of other moments in the races that sort of like I think evo- the editing evoked a similar feeling to what the drivers would have felt in that moment. The only other example I could think of is the ones that stuck with me were the crashes, but I remember feeling this throughout the whole movie but the when uh Jan's car lifts off at the Nürburgring they took the editing choice of suddenly making things quiet or quieter and I think that was another like it's absolutely genius because it gets quieter and you're not thinking this but your brain is instinctively thinking like oh what what, what's happening and then then you see that the front end of the car lift up and you know what's happening uh anybody who understands for people don't understand is like oh it's it's still like that oh what's happening feeling and then the car is basically flying through the air very clever editing in those scenes uh i think the editing for the dramatic scenes was immaculate as well but those are a little easier because there's already a very long formula for that but those racing moments i think uh, the pacing of the editing just absolutely phenomenal yeah and i mean speaking on that like editing like the silence and everything of that accident has anybody here been in a pretty like in an accident where you know it's not just a little fender bender someone's sliding like big hit or any other like sort of traumatic thing happening through a few seconds right it's not like an immediate thing yeah it's like all the noise goes away for a little bit like while it's happening everything slows down Mm -hmm. everything gets quiet and you have like a, a calmness i don't know i guess it depends on your like fight or flight type of thing but I remember in an accident that I had, and in a few other scary situations, let's say, it, it, it's like that in the movie. Like, you know, his car starts to lift up, it's quiet. Like the car noises go away, the wind noise goes away. That's terrifying. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know if it's just my like fight or flight response, like to be like calm and just like analyze and everything slows down a little bit. If it might be different for someone else, but I uh, I didn't like see it the same way as Patrick did as like a, oh editing so that like you go like oh what's happening here like for me it was like oh yeah that happens in a situation similar to that I knew n- nothing clever. about like I mean honestly anything about the movie or the plot or really racing like professionally at all so watching the movie with a just a blank slate. And I remember watching the front of his car in that scene lift up and my hand flew to my mouth because like my dad's an auto body mechanic. And so I see crashes and stuff kind of a lot or like the wreckage of them. And I don't know, seeing it happen was just, it was kind of scary. It almost inside like a little fight or flight response. I was like, oh, oh no. Oh yeah. Oh, Pat, do you remember when we were watching the movie? At that part, I was talking about how scary that straight Oh, is. the timing like, of before, that, dude. Before it even happened. 
like i was like yo bro this turn is crazy it's got like this hill and then a blind turn like it's crazy and then you didn't even get to finish the sentence you're like oh bro this part of the track is crazy because you you, there's this hill and and then this car lifts up (laughs) so that was that was pretty wild i didn't even see it coming dude it it was it was like amazing though like that that you knowing the track so well to where like you basically just called what was about to happen absolutely insane yeah and it's what like jan wasn't the only person that had an accident like that on that straight you can find many clips on youtube of different drivers on that straight catching air on that uh straight before the turn trigger warning Um, for that yeah, uh, and it's oh, like yeah. you know, oh, Nurburgring yeah. is such a dangerous track. F1 used to race there. Now they don't. Insane, anymore. insane that they used to race there. Why would they allow spectators to even go near that area if Real. it's so known oh, for that? Uh, I mean, me as a car guy, I love it. Okay, so <laughs> the, Nurbur- <laughs> the, the, the Nurburgring has like this event. Uh, whether it's oh, they do many events, Le Mans. Uh, 24 hours of Nürburgring, 12 hours of Nürburgring. They hold many different events there. And every time they hold an event there, again, Nürburgring is huge. It's miles and miles. And so, like, there's different sections. If you, like, walk along the track, there's certain people, like, areas where people are camping, just chilling. There's other areas that there's, like, events going on. Like, uh, I remember I was watching Hoonigan at uh, 12 hours or something of, of Nürburgring. And like Audi had this big like stage and like displaying cars and like it was like an event. Then you continue walking, the sun's setting and people are like playing drinking games, playing music, everyone's getting f***ed up and it's a huge party. And like, it's just like different environments along the track. So it's like, you're not only going there to watch the race, it's like a whole experience. It's a social event. Yeah, absolutely. I've never been to like an F1 race or a race like that, but I have been to NASCAR races. Uh, I've been lucky enough to be in the pits during a NASCAR for doing a little bit of a NASCAR race and even from there the vibrations of the car zooming past you you know it'll put your balls in your throat real quickly (laughs) it's terrifying and I've never really been that much into it into cars in general and racing but I could understand the, the thrill in that moment you know, oh, yeah. I thought the the noise was a little bit too much. I think I definitely needed earplugs that I did not have. Yeah. But the vibe, the, the feeling of those half of a ton going like 200, 300 miles an hour, it's definitely exhilarating. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's so exhilarating. Watching it gets you all hyped up and excited. Imagine being in the car. I think I'd be too afraid to do anything. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> but like, hey, even like, in a sim for a few hours, dude. Or no, like go and ride alongs, bro. Sometimes they'd be doing that at the NASCAR races. It, oh they don't yeah, do, NASCAR all the time. They, they don't do that at F1 because there's only one seat. But you know, sometimes they have that at NASCAR. No, NASCAR, you can. Uh, I remember because I had some somebody like say you could get it as a gift for people. Mm-hmm. And I looked <laughs> it up. You can, yeah. you can, you can pay for a ride along. My yeah, dad and my sisters too. did something like that where there's pictures of them when I was really young and they were in NASCAR outfits and That's they got to awesome. ride in some of them. Mm. Oh, yeah. That'd be a terrible gift to somebody that doesn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> <laughs> Exposure therapy. Bro, I think if, if I gifted that to my mom, oh, poor woman. <laughs> she would have a heart oh, attack. Oh, no. That's the last time we'd see her. <laughs> <laughs> 
NASCAR. Like just just my dad driving, you know, is gonna give this woman a heart. <laughs> like when my dad drives in Brazil, she sits in the back seat. Like I go, <laughs> I go to the front with my dad because she can't even look in uh, at the road while she's driving. NASCAR is very similar to Formula One and all those races in the sense of like it's essentially the same thing, but heavily Americanized in that so, there's commercials think- and brands everywhere you see. And it's a big oval rather than a. Hold, uh, on. hold on, hold on. Well, that's NASCAR F1. Yeah, you add, no. there's an actual track. Yes, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Difference. That's, okay, okay, that's what I'm saying. With with a uh, NASCAR, it's a big ring. Yeah. And very easy for cameras to follow along. Mm-hmm. Very easy yeah. to to see everything in like uh in from like a holistic approach. You can yeah. see everything. Whereas F1, you have to be looking for a specific driver. Gotcha. You have to be looking mm-hmm. for Jan. You have to be looking for whomever. But in NASCAR, you can see everything. And yeah. it is the sort of oversimplification that you see versus football and soccer. Mm. Uh, the Americanization of sports that make it more brand friendly. Mm. Uh, yeah. I would yeah, even say absolutely. NASCAR is much safer for drivers and spectators than Formula One. There are incidents where people have died, unfortunately, both spectators and drivers. Yeah, but it's been a while. It's been a very long time, and F1 has more fatalities, unfortunately, has more fatalities per, per year, or race, mm. even, than, than yeah, NASCAR. Yeah, I mean, the last, uh, the last fatality in F1 was, I think, Arrington Senna, if I'm not wrong. Uh, but ever since, like, they added the Halo on the mm-hmm. F1 cars, I don't think the, uh, that a driver has died, I think. I think an F2 driver uh, has died after Senna. But yeah, I think uh, I think cars have been safer than ever. But still, I mean, I would definitely agree. Like, like visually, look safer. One, you're going into oval, right? It's straight, left, straight, left. And then one is like, you know, you have city streets. Like, Canada is like the streets of Canada. And like, it gets, it goes from like four lanes wide and then you have like a left turn and you are like going up a little alley. Just like this 90 month degrees we're in Las off Vegas. Straight. So it's like definitely more danger, I would say. And then like, there's other things like rally and oh. MotoGP. Holy shit, man. Uh, like, like uh, I don't know if you guys have heard uh, the Isle of Man, TT, that to this day is still the most deadly race that happens it's for motorcycles and Mm. i i don't have the specific stat but i would say that there is more than one person a year that dies on that track every Mm. year to this day jesus i think that's what i that's why i prefer nascar to f1 and races like that because it's less real there's guys on a racetrack that was designed specifically for this and uh I don't know, maybe I'm just a big wimp, but whenever I see F1 and I see people on normal roads, I get a little bit afraid. You get a little bit Because, you know, I, I've been in situations where, like, cars zoomed past me going 200 miles per hour. I was tailgated and, like, brake checked a lot uh, when I was younger. And, like, you know, I'm not a fan of that. But NASCAR I can watch and go, you know what? They're fine. They're professionals. <laughs> you know, on yeah. a normal street, it's uh, it would be scarier, I think. So when you're watching NASCAR through a TV, do you, like, what gets you excited? Because I've tried, and I don't know if it's because I don't have a driver, but, like, like for me, I don't mean to bust on your sport, bro, but I'm like, 
I see it as like the golf or baseball <laughs> of sports, bro. Like, I like 200 laps of just circle, <laughs> circle. Everyone's like in a line behind each other. I don't know. Like, what's the excitement? It's there? hardly my sport. I, I very casually watch it, and it's much better in person. I will say that. Okay. It's, yeah. it's a million times yeah. better in person. But what makes it enjoyable for me is the fact that I know a driver, or at least I think I, I knew him. I think he retired because uh, one of our family friends owns the number, oh. owns a number that the driver like owns. So that's that's how I got to get in the pits and the VIP section wow. for the Coke Zero 500 wow. 2017 or 2018. Wow. Either way, <laughs> either way, that was what was made it cool. And I think following Matt, following him, definitely made it interesting. Seeing what he was up to, he wasn't always in the top 10, 20, but I think following along with that made it exciting. You had a personal and, connection. Yeah, I had a personal connection, but I'm not gonna lie to you, I like seeing the crashes. The crashes <laughs> oh definitely God. made Did, it a lot. Did you NASCAR just person say? I talked to. What didn't you just say? I'm a big wimp. I don't well, like. Okay, okay, it's different. it's different. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's different because in NASCAR you see it as more of a controlled environment. There's gates that there's fences that are like 20 feet tall. And this a was, cage. This is designed yeah. for racing at 300 miles per hour, whereas the streets of Canada aren't. God, I hope not. You know, <laughs> I would never find myself in my little Kia Soul on <laughs> on a NASCAR racetrack, but I would find myself in a road like they see in Nuremberg or Le Mans, even F one, F one, F one, but Kia Soul. <laughs> put Brenda the Kia Soul in there. <laughs> I would win. Nah, bro, you would have win. you guys have you guys seen what like uh, rally looks like? What the spectators watching rally look like? Mm -hmm. No. Oh my god, if y'all oh. have access, Google that, dude. It is dude. literally like cars are flying over hills and people are just standing in the grass right next to the track just being yeah, like, whoa! Like, people, like, these cars are zooming by oh my god. Like, a foot away. Some of them, like, oh. try to get some of them try to get a good shot and, like, that... they'll go on the track for a second to, like, take a picture and, like, run. Oh my like, goodness. Absolutely not. Dude, it oh is... my god. <laughs> it's like the crackhead of racing. <laughs> Where do, where do those no, Those drivers don't slow down either. Yeah, no, like they they don't slow down if you're there, like right, like because they're they're trying to make time. Like for them, yep, they Jesus. have faith that you're gonna get out of the way. Like that's wild. Oh my god. That yeah. is. And uh, there was like a form of rally that uh, ended up being canceled uh, called Group B. I Every literally just pulled that up. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Where I'm do these races take place? Picture. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, at I mean, a picture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, all over. It does, they don't really happen here in America, sadly. I uh, figured. Yeah. We can't really even get roundabouts so down. Bad. You think they would trust Americans <laughs> with that, dude? That's some hillbilly ass shit, though. That is. Oh. It does seem a little bit like stupid American. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, bring it down to Florida. I'm, I'm sure oh we're God. down with it. Oh, I actually know people that do that kind of. That they they have this like dirt path that they just race ATVs and not like real yeah, cars, yeah. not not things yeah. that will not like kill that. you. Kind of like yeah. that. No, I'm yeah, saying no, not have, like cars I know some like guy that. that right. Does, like the right. dirt bike one. Like uh, he broke like three ribs. My sisters used to race ATVs all the time. Hella dangerous. They would go down to something we called the Bijou Bottom in Colorado. It was like just a bunch <laughs> of dirt and tires. My sisters were like, yeah. that was so damn dangerous. I'm like y'all are crazy. 
I was real close to pulling the trigger on a dirt bike, but yeah, just not the time. Well, Do we what? have any other thoughts on racing sims, Gran Turismo, racing in general? Something I would like to say, I've tried like all these realistic uh, driving simulators, or even driving games like, you know, uh, I've tried Gran Turismo a few times, I've tried Need for Speed, i tried Forza, quite a couple, but I can never, for the life of me, enjoy playing those games. Um, it's just very boring to me, and, and I understand, like, the big draw to it is that it's a simulator, it's very accurate, you know, um, it's also supposed to look nice. I personally don't think uh, GT7 actually looks that great. Uh, that's just me. I'm more of a, you know, arcade racer, you know, Mario Kart, all that type of stuff. I just feel like the the gateway to entry is very, very high to get into these type of games. What are your thoughts? You know what? Uh, you know what I have to say that Felipe, we need to get this man on a wheel. Yeah. <laughs> get this man yeah, on no, a wheel. If you're playing, if you're playing Gran Turismo on a remote, I've tried a wheel. Like, a <laughs> like like that actual setup, like on the chair with the wheel. Like I've been in a Microsoft was- store when GT7 like first came out, um, and I waited in line to try it. I didn't like it because also your setup is very important, right? Because I mean, if you have a remote, like the realism's gone. But now you get into wheels, obviously like the best wheel you could get is like a Fanatec and that's like the most accurate, best motor, like fantastic, right? And then you have your entry level, which is your Logitech and your <coughs> Thrustmaster, uh, <coughs> uh, not pornographic, promise. Um, oh, the name <laughs> Thrustmaster. <laughs> There's like your entry level $80 wheel that most people have, which my friend has. We try to play split screen, like I have my wheel, Mine is like a T300 RS Thrustmaster, right? It's like not the entry level, it's like the mid. And just the difference between that was so big that my friend was like, yeah, fuck split screen. No one wants to use this wheel. Like, cause the, the system inside is different, right? During the entry, the entry level wheels, they have gears. And then the more you go up, like mine has a belt. So the feedback is smoother and is better it feels more like a real car you can feel when like you're putting too much on a turn you can feel like you can feel when your you're front to- tires like losing grip right because i don't know if you guys have ever lost your the the grip on your front tires before but mm-hmm. you know your 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 steering wheel's heavy heavy you're going into a turn and if it slips your steering wheel goes light you could flick it a little bit like it, it you know because there's no grip there and the wheel simulates all that really well but if you have that like gear fed wheel it's like knocky like you feel like it just doesn't the output right isn't smooth it doesn't feel accurate the moat like the motor's trying to do something using a system that doesn't feel like real life yeah because i i felt very similarly to you jared first when i was like on a remote and my and these t- uh my brother and his friend were playing gran turismo uh on a like playstation just in the living room but then i also like tried a sim where the wheel was like so cheap i didn't feel that feedback when i hopped on felipe's wheel and i had this big tv that he had in front that we have in front of me it feels so different because if you just like disassociate from reality for a little bit you you can just genuinely feel like you're driving Plus, add that VR set Felipe's talking about. 
it Crazy. makes a world of a difference when Crazy. you feel like you're in the car because the less you're thinking about the game and more you're thinking about just racing the more the sims doing its job and the more satisfying that feeling is mm. bro and when i'm when i'm in the like the rig with the with the vr bro like i like before the race is starting is doing the countdown i'm like looking around i'm like ooh leather seats ooh that's a, like <laughs> back seat looks roomy <laughs> Okay, like you like appreciating the interior, right? Because you see the posters of a lot of these cars, you don't know what the inside looks like. But like in the VR, I'm like looking around. I'm like, ooh, Alcantara on the roof, like. <laughs> so it's pretty cool, man. Very cool. I guess like so the reward for a simulator is just how much you're willing to put into it in the first place. Mm. Uh, so which kind of does go with what you're saying with like the barrier to entry. With racing simulators, there's a barrier to entry skill wise, but yes. that that is something that like any game with a high skill ceiling, you you just constantly overcome the more you play the game. There's a reward and like I'm able to conquer this. Now let's try this. I'm able to conquer this. Now let's try this. But there is a price barrier, 100%, to be able to like fully enjoy this experience. Yeah, or can't like, you can't you put like real world money into this game to then buy virtual cars and parts? Yeah, right. I mean, every game is going into that direction where right. like, oh, I could buy the in-game currency and then I could buy this car. Yeah, you they know, got every- GTA Shark points, <laughs> <laughs> Shark cards. Yeah. So yeah, every game is going that direction. So this game has money you can spend in the game that you can pay with with real money and then there's the real money you spend on your rig and i feel like gran turismo is they don't have you grind a lot an absurd amount for you to be able to enjoy it i feel like it's not like gta where it's like you feel like you need to play the game for two weeks straight to buy one car like it's gran turismo is right. not like that um but like the equipment's expensive right the wheel is like a few hundred bucks the the shifter is like a hundred bucks the chair is like this much money dude they have this like hydraulic thing that you put your system on top like your chair on top and it moves like the hydraulics move and so it like now your body is feeling like it's in the car right right? Like it's making you lean to the left like when you're going through a right turn and then when you break it like inclines forward and like it's crazy crazy right yeah i know since the first game gran turismo has always had this weird um rpg element of uh the more you play the more like points or credits or whatever you earn to then buy more cars and then there's the customization of each car and all that type of stuff and of course that continues on which which is you know i think it's a pretty cool system where you know the more you you play the the more points you get to then to either customize your loadout or to get more stuff like that's that's pretty cool and i think a big takeaway with gran turismo is that it's not just a video game it's a simulator even the title you know it says the real driving simulator and I think I, since I'm just a casual player in terms of driving or racing games, I, I play as if it's an arcade game, but it's not. That's like a, a like a little, my own mental uh, headspace that I got to get out of whenever I even touch these type of games. And can I just say that gr- the Gran Turismo series has been the and some of the most highest selling games in PlayStation history? Oh, yeah. Like, that's that's insane. And... I totally think like if you're just into like real world racing, I think this is the game for you. Yeah, I mean, I would say it's like Tarkov versus Call of Duty. 
<laughs> oh yeah it's <laughs> like you have to shift the way you're playing the game in order to enjoy it. you cannot hop into a game like tarkov and just be like i'm gonna go run around and shoot some guys <laughs> like no no you're dead every single time you hop on you're gonna be dead and same thing for gran turismo you can't just hop in and be like i'm gonna go real fast in a car like you're gonna crash and you're gonna crash and you're gonna crash you have to with games like this i think the reward is approaching in the sense of like i know i'm bad but there is a reward in being good and it's about like tackling that mountain there's one thing i want to ask around before we get to the end of it is there an experience that you guys have that you would you purposely try to immerse yourself in the world as much as possible like philippe was uh with his vr he he puts on the vr and he looks around as if he is there is there like an experience you have where you fully immerse yourself with your surroundings? For me, it's when I was playing Outlast, the horror game. Uh, there are sections in that game where it's like bright and you can see, and there are sections that are dark. And when it's dark, you have to use your night vision camera. And when, in those sections, I turn the lights off in my room. Like, I, I want to be completely surrounded in darkness so I can get these scares. Mm. And I would even do that in the second game to a higher extent because in the second game, you play as a person that wears glasses. And there's a handful of sections where he loses his glasses. And you can barely see. And for those sections, I would take my glasses off too, in real life. Just so I could get... So, so, so I can amplify Double that bad fear. vision. <laughs> Double bad, bad vision. It only happens like twice in the game, which kind of disappointed me. But I thought that was really cool, and it got my blood pumping for real. No, I get that. I have a very similar thing. Uh, it is cheating a little bit because I had a VR headset. I haven't. I don't think I've talked about this game much on the podcast at all. Half Life Alex, one of the first like AAA development team VR made games to come out, and oh my gosh, they focus so much on just making every single aspect of this game feel real. Like, of course, with the gameplay, when it comes to like shooting and enemies and all that. But also, like, if there is a bottle of liquid and you pick up the bottle of liquid and start jiggling it in your hand, the liquid will move around in the bottle and then you can throw it at a wall and the liquid splashes. Like, this attention to detail everywhere. You grab an expo marker that's just meant to be junk around the map, crack it open, rub it on the whiteboard. Guess what? You're writing stuff down on the whiteboard. It like I remember playing this game and part of me was just so immersed when it came to the storytelling and the uh, the ambiance, the setting of the game. But part of me was also so immersed because of the fact that everything around me felt real. There's like moments where like a head crab is charging at me. I'm out of ammo. I find like a I found a barrel, grabbed the barrel and threw the barrel at the head crab as my sort of like, I don't know what to do. That game definitely to me was that because there were multiple moments during that game where I wasn't thinking about like I'm playing a game anymore. I was like I'd be in these intense moments just being like. I, I gotta hide, there's a monster I gotta take cover, there are bullets being shot all around me because I just felt so in it Kudos to the Half-Life sandbox for making that feel real, because for VR games it's very difficult to make it feel real mm. not just so you're just some invincible virtual guy, but Half-Life yeah. they got it I spent my second playthrough of that game they have a director's cut essentially of or not director's cut director's commentary after you beat the game where you can go through and there's a bunch of like little audio logs around the map where you can listen to the devs talk about why they made the decisions they made huh. and a lot a lot of it is like it i would say probably like 
quarter of all the audio logs are in the first bit of the game where they're just talking about like yeah so in this room that you spawn in we decided to make all these interactable objects to make you understand that this is something you can do throughout the entire game uh and that, like just small things like that throughout the entire game where they're constantly explaining like we made this super tiny decision because we found that there were some play testers who were doing this and it, it's this in such huge intention to like the immersion of the player and that's been a thing since before like it, within Gran Turismo since before like VR and not like this modern technology like they were the first car game to introduce like a reflection mapping so like when your car drives by and there's like the sun hitting it a certain way it'll like reflect off the car and like the reflection of the trees like you know since the car paint is glossy like this is like in the early 2000s like the 90s and they're doing that so that you can get as much and they did it because they noticed that people got a better sense of speed you know it was more accurate more immersive when they did that you know that's always been like a focus with game developers because I think if you, the more you're able to immerse yourself in a game, I think the more you're going to enjoy it. I think for me, it's uh, Metroid and then Zelda. Metroid 2D or even the Prime games, the immersion is being, I think, is part of the gameplay. It's um, you're doing the actual movement of going around the world, solving these puzzles. Like, for example, some weird Shine Spark puzzles. Yeah, you're doing that. That's all about skill, right? That's uh, that's a big thing for me. And and. With the Prime series, even more so, you're inside the helmets, your Wiimote is the arm cannon, you know. Um, there's a lot of times where I feel anxiety and, and air quotes dread while playing through Metroid games because that's exactly what the game is trying to convey in me. And that's that's my version there, immersion there. Um, and with Zelda, it's just, you know, kind of the same thing. I'm doing these things that Link is doing, you know. I, I am Link. Link is the link to me in the game. So, same thing. Yeah. I see. So it's easier for you to get into it than probably me yes definitely yeah i have a really bad habit of immersing myself in games that like aren't even realistic at all so one time i was playing five nights at freddy's on a plane <laughs> and oh, it was damn. just like i thought you were gonna say chess <laughs> i mean look i feel like, like that's easily immersive never mind that like, was bad analogy. but like i was playing five nights at freddy's on an airplane and like there's like a screaming child i'm like you know what calm game in the air i play it and i got so bad tunnel vision that like i got jump scared and i think i screamed because i was just like so focused like i think even if the game i'm playing i think the time i got most immersed was one time i was playing roblox a few years ago <laughs> and there was this game where it was horror and it was you're all put randomly in this warehouse this huge open world warehouse and one of the people is, oh no, it was like a random bot, I guess, that was Slenderman. And bro, I was terrified. I'm like, I don't know, like freshly 18 playing this game. And I'm like pulling up the covers to hide my eyes. Like I was terrified and I wasn't good at it. So <laughs> I guess that adds to it. But I get immersed, I feel like, no matter kind of what the game is. I just get, like, tunnel vision because I'm also really competitive. So I'm just like, ping, ping, I you know? I beat you, Slender Man. 
Yeah, and then I didn't. I just pictured like the default like Roblox character, but with just no face, and that's it. Yeah, because I could never remember my password, and so like I always had the default. And then the Slenderman, he was the same size as everyone else. I don't know. <laughs> Small little deal. I don't know. It was just really terrifying to 18 year old me. Slenderman, but he's just skinny. <laughs> that's literally him. He's just a quirked up white boy. Captain. Thanks, Captain. Thanks Captain, for your input. Captain, we're close the episode. Captain, do you want to share your input on immersion in video games? <laughs> He's pretty immersed. We made on him person nervous. Coming to the door right now. <laughs> he has performance anxiety. He's like, no, not Slender Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got scared. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Maybe there's one more thing I would think Philippe would think fun is funny. Uh, I played a NASCAR game a lot as a kid because my dad wanted me to get immersed. And we got a $30 wheel and like pedals, and he really wanted me to get into it. But I didn't, and uh, he would overhear me and my friends playing it and laughing at it. And he was like, oh man, are they getting into it? He would open the door and he would find that we were driving into each other, going backwards <laughs> on the track, purposely trying to head-on collision ourselves <laughs> and in that game you could blow up the nascar cars and set oh, them on that's fire that's funny and that's what we were going for I and he that. saw that and i think a little part of him died that day <laughs> you see he should have bought you guys a demolition derby game oh, oh yeah. demolition yeah. derbies you I know they make those, those right they are super fun I think Burnout right now is kind of heading in that direction, too. I forgot about those games. If you can ever go to a real demolition derby, that is so painfully American. Oh. It's so good. <laughs> I love it. My friend invited me because it was like one event where they had monster trucks, oh, school bus racing, yo. and demolition derby. I'm like, what yo. is this? <laughs> when you watch RV demolition derby, dude, absolutely oh, yeah. wild. It's fantastic. Oh, my gosh. I am always down. <laughs> well, Felipe, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Where can people find you and find your content and all that good stuff? So my Instagram is Felipe, P-E underscore B-R. Um, and I own an event company called All Access Crew. And you could find us at, on Instagram, all underscore access underscore crew. All right, that's all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode here on Razzle Dazzle. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Razzle Dazzle Show and on TikTok at Razzle underscore Dazzle underscore show. And be sure to tune in every Thursday on the Eagle Radio Life 365 app where we are live from 12 to 1. And special thanks to Tyred4575 and Limits Dumpster Fire for use of their music for this episode. You can find these tracks on YouTube by searching up Lime Myths Dumpster Fire and or Gran Turismo Lo-Fi. Links will be in the description down below. Special thanks to our guest Felipe for joining us on this episode. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, man. This has been fun. First podcast. We'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> uh, all right. Any end bits? Room. You can't force it. You can't force it. You can't force it. There was actually a racing game <laughs> that I didn't talk about. What the that? Nintendo 64, the 1994 game Cruisin' USA. <laughs> it's like really misogynistic. Like at the top of every round, it's like Toronto and it's like an almost naked woman. But I like really <laughs> oh, liked wow. it. Yeah. I still play oh, it. Oh my gosh. I still play it. I. Reminds me of those taxi. Japanese arcs. Oh my god, yes! I love <laughs> that. Crazy Taxi is the best racing game. Crazy oh taxi. my god. The most immersive. <laughs> oh yeah. Crazy oh, yeah. Taxi. Realistic.
Presumably, I, like if I, if that guy picked me up, if that guy was my taxi, I'd be so happy. GT Grand Taxi. Uh, <laughs> jumping Grand over school buses on my way to work. Hell yeah, sign me up. 